um, uh, right here in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I have a few more events coming up. I have a, a few book signings coming up here in Virginia uh, the first three Saturdays in August uh, for my book. Uh, the first one that I published is called Tired of Being Black, which was written to offer a fresh perspective on the negative stereotypes and struggles of the black race. I believe that uh, some of the key points that I made in the book, I believe that we're going to touch on some of them tonight. I've also just recently published my second book, which is called From the Heart of a Teacher. And I wrote that book to kind of expose the ugly truth about the educational system uh, here in the United States. So if you get a chance, you can find my book uh, pretty much through any book retailer. Um, you can also order, you can only get my uh, latest book from the heart of a teacher in print form from lulu.com, and that's L-U-L-U.com. Uh, but if you want to download them, you can do that as well. So uh, please support. I also have uh, two pages on Facebook, Jordan Literature, and also the teacher file. So uh, we are working to change some things, and uh, so I'm glad that Tim and I have been able to connect. And uh, I'm ready, Tammy. I'm ready, too. I'm ready, too. Um, Want to go over real quick, quickly the trash can concept. Can't remember if we did that last week or not. But before I do that, I'm going to remind Rodney again that I'm not having him on the show. He is <laughs> of the show. So that goes back to that mindset thing, you guys. He, he has not quite got it together about being a part of Butterfly Evolution. So. <laughs> Get that over and done with first. Um, want to remind you yes, guys. <laughs> all right, yes, sir. About the trash can concept, want to continue to do that because it does promote change and hopefully allows you to see how we can become accustomed to life, accustomed to circumstances, situations, to our past, um, how we just live life from a sense of what was rather than what is now and what can be tomorrow. So timely for this topic, uh, what's on your mind tonight. So as you listen to this trash can concept, concept, whether it's for the first time or many times, what has it did for you? Have you allowed it? Because it sounds crazy. It really does sound like move my trash can. Try it. We have to be open-minded. We have to learn to to be open to challenges and new things, particularly when the old things have not worked when we seem to be running this rat race, um, always ending back up where we started, even in some cases with the same, same mindset, the same tenacity, if any at all. So the trash can baby is simply this. We ask that you move your trash can from one location to another, preferably allow it to be one that you use frequently. In doing so, what you will, in most cases, determine that you will find yourself going back to its old location where you moved it from. And as you do that, um, if you have a family, or even if you stay by yourself, journal it. How often do you go back? What are your thoughts when you go back? When you go back, if there are no thoughts, sit down and think about, now why am I going here? And I know mentally that I've moved this. No different when, when lights are out, storm happens and you, t you know lights go out. 
every single time I go and turn the light switch on expecting lights to come on because I'm used to having it. And the same thing happens in life. We get used to being beat up so badly, making choices that do not benefit where we want to go if we know where we want to go and what the things that we want in life. So as you do this, allow yourself just to think about what else am I without much thought process living my life from? How am I living? From what standpoint? From what basis? From what pain? From what fears? From what hurts? All those things. We have to start thinking about life, our lives, our thoughts in order to take control and live the best life. It it would be a shame to have so much available to us and leave it all here. And I feel like we all have the same things available to us. Rodney, the last video I sent to you of the the young girl singing, um, and I noticed more than anything that, you know, it was spelled out that she has autism. That just makes me think about everybody. I feel we all have exactly what we need within us. We have it. It's just that so often we are so busy looking at what life has presented to us or what someone else has that we don't have and we feel that we need. Well, my gosh, if you needed it, most powerful God would have given it to you. If it was needed to 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 fill out his purpose for your life, if that was needed, then you would have it or you would certainly gain it in your life. If now, I, I believe this, if you live for the purpose of God, if you really find out who you are, what are your gifts, because like I said, so many people put, um, and I'm not saying anything about that, but about the little girl being, you know, autism, but look at her gift. Some mama, some dad, somebody somewhere looked over what society says she is and can or cannot do. And they thought, what does she have in her? What gift did God give her that can benefit this world? And that's what they focused on. But again, so often we focus on the things that we don't have, and those in many cases are based on what someone else has. It's based on someone else's life, someone else's journey, someone else's shoes that you are trying to walk in. So, Move your trash can, and as you do, we ask you guys, share your stories with us. I I, I think one of the most memorable stories was from Anthony Collins, author of Life is Outstanding, said that he was throwing the trash. It wasn't even on his mind that he didn't recognize until later that he was putting trash where it used to be, and the trash was hitting the floor, and he didn't notice until he saw this trash on his floor, and he was cooking for a company, had people over, and he said, the first thing he said, that damn Tammy and this trash can concept, you know. Because, <laughs> again, his mind, he, doesn't ha- he didn't think because his mind was conditioned that that's where it is. That's where my trash is. It's not hitting the floor because that's where my trash is. So do it. If you have children, play a game with your kids and um, keep up, you know, keep up, keep a tab on who goes there, you know, the most. So, okay, Ronnie, you said I'm breaking up. Is that better? Uh, yeah, I can hear you clearly now. You you were breaking okay. up. It wasn't like the entire time, but uh, you were breaking up just a little bit. Okay, I'm going to move it closer to me because I do have it on speakerphone. Okay, so that's what I have. Now, uh, Rodney, any starters for you? And then we'll get right into the show. 
no, not that not that I can think of. I'm sure that there will be some uh, interruptions. <laughs> and I'm gonna check the um, let's just check because I know now I'm gonna pull this person. And I'm not sure if they have something. I know that they were on pretty quickly um, as far as having a comment. We welcome your comment. So let's see if someone has something to go with uh, right away. Pulling in, and I did not say this, the way that we'll pull you in, uh, I'll provide the area code and the last four digits of the number that you're calling from, so that's how we'll pull you in. And I do want to say I have a special guest in the studio with me tonight. Uh, Cody is here. Uh, We'll share some things, hopefully, that we talked about last evening um, as well, but Cody is here with us. Cody, say hi. What's up, world? How y'all doing? Y'all doing good? (laughs) I'm doing fine, too. I'm a little tired, but... We'll get through this. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, well, we just, we just pulled in from 404 with the last four digits of 9349. Caller, you're on the air with us. Hi, Tammy. Hi. How are you doing? We're good. How are you doing? Uh, just want to say I'm with you today. I'm with Different number, but I'm here. I love okay. you, and I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you, know, you so much. Doing? For you guys, that's the famous Diane who is always listening from Atlanta, and she is, uh, we play the Sam song, uh, Change is Going to Come at the end of every show and dedicate it to her. So that is <laughs> Diane, and she's. Night. I'll go over to the show and the song. Everybody night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Love you and thank you for listening. Love you too. All right. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. You guys, it's so good to have family support you. I, I, I really, and she has been so faithful um, in doing so because nowadays, rarely can you get a family member to take you to the store if you need to. I mean, seriously. So I, I am just, I love it. I, I love it. So my. I just thank I'm thankful. So I just can't even hardly get it into words. Uh, we need more of that in in the in this is small things that can make a difference in our lives, especially when it's family because oftentimes when you don't have family uh or the people supporting you who you feel like are in your bloodline, it's so easy to turn um cold to the world and allow the world to become cold to you uh when we miss out on that support and love and connection and communion relationship. So thank you, Diane. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Well, um, okay, Rodney, where should we start first? And and tonight, you guys, again, we had part one last week. Oh, boy, we talked about a little bit of everything last week. Um, I don't know where to start from last week. However, we just suggest you go back and listen to part one. We talked about relationship, women, um, uh, having sexual relations on the first night, men and women, what happens after that, where do we go from there, you know, what does a man do if he finds out it's his daughter, you know, and that kind of thing. So we talked about religion. Uh, Oh, my gosh. So this is what's on your mind tonight. What's going on in this world or in your life uh, that you'd like for us to touch on? And... If you don't want to say your name, you don't have to, certainly. If you want to send us a private message on Facebook and say, hey, say this, but I don't want you to, want you to disclose who I am, that's fine. And chat, the chat room, if you've not registered using your name, and we don't recommend that you do that, 
um, if you want to, that's fine. If not, then you can also use, uh, you know, select a username, and we don't have to know who you are. And you can always make your comments and questions there as well. But Rodney and I are on Facebook, and we'll be able to just address it however you want us to, okay? So, Rodney, why don't you start first? Put you on the hot seat. <laughs> well, I, I'm just going to go to uh, something that we talked about earlier today um, that just kind of uh, bothered me, and that is um, the number of people that were that were shot in Chicago over this weekend. Um, and for those of you who are not aware of, uh, of what we're talking about, uh, there were, I believe, 40 shootings, not all at the same time, but 40 shootings um, from Friday until Sunday night um, this past weekend in Chicago. One of them happened to be an 11-year-old girl who was shot while at a sleepover, and she was standing in, in the kitchen uh, with her friends, um, and they were making s'mores. And then all of a sudden this bullet comes through the window, hits the girl in the head, um, and she dies. And what, what, uh, what, what bothers me the most is we have not gotten um, as far away from the civil rights movement as we believe that we have. And I even saw also, uh, Tammy, uh, today that uh, this past 4th of July weekend in Chicago, 80 people were shot and 14 of them were killed. Last year it was 75 and 12 people um, died. So we see Chicago on the, uh, in the news all of the time for, for killings, especially when it comes to our young people. They're just wiping each other out. And that bothers me because, one, where, where are the parents, number one? Number two, what is the school system trying to do to fix this issue? And number three, where are the community leaders, uh, the pastors, these uh, uh, civil rights activists that we have? Where are these people when our young people are dying? Where are they? What, what is happening to rectify this problem. What is happening to, to, to correct this problem? Um, I understand that it may not stop immediately tomorrow, but can we at least slow it down, you know, gradually? Can, can we do something? Can we, can we do anything to slow this down? So that, that's the first thing on my mind. I, I was very disturbed uh, when I learned of that. And there's another story that I'm going to connect to this one, um, in just a few minutes, but I want you to go ahead on and uh, jump jump on that one, Tammy. But uh, that that's on my mind right now. Well, you know, I'll I'll come in on the end part of what you were saying with the que- asking with the questions. Where are the people? Where are we when this is happening? I I have seen so much today about. Um, it, well, I'm not going to go there. I'm just, I'm just going to say our interest as parents, as community leaders, as mothers, fathers, grandmothers, uncles, aunts, neighbors, school officials, church leaders, youth pastors, our interest is on the same thing seemingly as what the kids are interested in. Like, well, I'm going to go ahead and go there. 
this I'm so whatever city you live in. I heard that a young girl told her mom, we did, the young people did that last week on Instagram. And it's like there's no there's no difference in childlike activity, childlike thoughts than adults. I'm not saying we can't have fun and do some things, but now is not the time, people. We losing, we're losing our children. We've lost many adults from the mindset, even right here alone in Memphis alone. No, I might, I'm, I'm, I may not can do anything about Chicago, but we have a little Chicago right here in Memphis. We had an 11-year-old killed at a community center, shot playing basketball at the community center. And I heard someone say, "Well, why, well, why did his parents let him go to let him go to the community center? Are we at a point that we have to fear allowing our children to go to the community center to play basketball?" And then, if so, what are we doing? How how can we fix it? Is it fixable? Because to drive by and shoot where you know children are, really, are you fixable? Are you a waste of society? I'm going to keep it real tonight. Are you really fixable? If you think you have the right to shoot where you know, even if it's not children, but let's just go children, are you really fixable? Can we do anything with you? But I think we're trying to be so... Oh, gosh, I almost gave it away. So holy, Rodney, until we're missing sure. um, it's, we're missing some things. We're missing that people, sometimes people are showing us exactly who they are and who they want to be and who they're going to be because God's not, not going to kick your door in and make you want to be submissive, submissive to him. So the question stands, I, now, personally, I don't feel our churches are doing enough. You go to them about programs, about things. They tell you they don't want to do this, uh, we don't have the funds, or we don't have the means. And in many cases, you're not asking for the funds. You might need the facility, but very, very few times do people get yeses. Get some, for sure. Then when you get some, the people who, who are saying they're going to be there and do this and, you know, be Johnny on the spot, that you can't find them. But let somebody say something about a barbecue, a party, um, just this weekend, the all-white affair. People were parked as if you would have thought President Obama was coming and was going to personally sit down one-on-one with everybody. That's how many cars. And my understanding, they, they pay $50 a pop to get in, not to go buy their outfit. And then right down the street, the new city hall facility was just as packed with parents. But say something, give something for the children. Ask people to come out and bring their children to something that is free. And I guarantee you, they will not, the majority will not make the time. We do it often. And if they're going to make the, if, if they say the child can go, most cases they want you to pick them up. But they find a way to go shake them up and shake them down. They find a way to get everywhere else they want to go. So what's on my mind with that is where where are we? What are we doing? And when I say we, I'm talking about 
you, your mother, your father, your grandmother, your friend, your best friend. And when we see these people are not doing what they're supposed to do as parents, because like you said, Ryan, it's something you said so I went back and listened to one of the shows, and I don't remember which one it was, about judging. You said that judging is, is judging an action or act after it has been committed, after the action has taken place. Now, to be wrong with that is judging someone before the action takes place. You're saying they're going to do this or they, you know, whatever. And that was profound for me. But once we see that you are not doing and there are some things as a parent that we are just responsible for, grandparents as well. No, I might not have been intended to be a a young mother, but guess what? Because my choices led me there, then one day I'm going to be a grandmother and then somebody's great-grandmother. And I have a responsibility to that line, to each and every one of those children I have a responsibility, especially if I call myself a servant of God. I have a responsibility to the children next door who I have no blood contact with, especially if I call myself a servant of God. So and that's something, that's my- and that's something, <laughs> that's something, that's something, that's something, that's that's something that we don't take seriously. That's something that we ignore, especially if, um, especially if if the person has no connection to us, or or if even if they have a connection to us, if we don't get any benefit from it, if we don't get any recognition, if no oh, one wow. is paying us, if no one if no one is paying us any attention, we do not want to do it. Let us. You don't even have to pay us anymore, Tammy. It used to, you know it, it used to be. We looked out for each other. We're going to get into that um, a little bit later. But it used to be we just looked out for each other no matter what. It didn't cost a dime. Then it went to, you know, people were looking to get paid. Now dollars and cents don't even have to be involved. If I can get some sort of recognition and attention from this, if people are going to look at me and say, ooh, Rodney is doing great things in the community. Ooh, look at Rodney standing up for these people. They don't know what's in my heart. They don't know that the only time I'm trying to do something is when the camera is in front of me or when someone asks me a question and here's my opportunity to sell myself or to promote myself or to make myself famous. That's the only time I care about that. And I'm going to let you jump back in here before I go to my next point that kind of ties into what I just said. Well, no, you're exactly right. If it we become so selfies, I'm gonna say that because I'm so sick of selfies. I don't know what to do from grown people. <laughs> like what and how do you have time to take all these pictures and then post them? And what are you really saying? What what are you real? Do we really need so many selfies? Really, what are you thinking? But we we have become. You're exactly right. We want to bring attention to ourselves in any way, shape, form, or fashion, and we want to be known to the world when we don't even know who we are. We don't even know ourselves. So what will, okay. what will you gain to be known by the world, and for what? For what? But we anybody who is of status of being somebody um, goes back to the guy, which I can call his name, who came here 
um, to promote his show. I cannot think of his name. And how many people showed up in the middle of the day, and he gave out 90-something hamburgers when he's rich enough, got enough money to have fed everybody in Memphis a hamburger. But you got grandparents. I can't, the guy, help me, Rodney, with the uh, the little the short guy with, oh, gosh, the new movie that came out. He's a comedian also. Kevin Hart? Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there were people everywhere, people everywhere. But, but I'm saying, where are you in, this is the middle of the day. Where are you when the schools need you, when the teachers need you? Where are you then? <laughs> where are you? We have nope, parents nope. who nowhere to be found is where they are. <laughs> nowhere to be found can't even won't even answer the telephone. Can't get a hold of you because you know the number. You're gonna let it pass by. So he goes back. What are you doing? Where are you? Who are you? And then we don't have enough sense to stop at just one. Because if you know this ain't your thing, then stop having babies. Stop having them. You right? I'm going to – go ahead, Cody. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I, you know, I uh, – that, that is so true. I've met people, and I, and I know one person right now, well, one individual right now that – is going through a hard time on multiple levels, but this individual keeps having babies. And actually, I know I have met more than one individual that's like that because they're already broke. They're already broken inside emotionally because they didn't have their mother or their father around and they had a rough life, just to make, just be general about it. They want to find someone and, I guess, maybe care for them or so forth. They end up having a baby. The relationship doesn't work out, so they go their separate ways. But the mom has the child. And then the mom goes out and allows someone else that's not good for them to get them pregnant, then they have another child. And it's interesting how, and I, and I just started realizing this last fall about how the society that we live in, they're always, they're always, and they, you know, it can be anybody, they say, they always get on the men about, you know, we're dogs and we're, we're, we're deadbeat dads and we're just useless men, blah, blah, blah. But you say that about a woman, you don't curse God out. Especially when it comes to especially when it comes to black women. And I notice how a number of black women that I've met and I know it's other other women from different ethnic backgrounds that do the same thing, so you know. But since I'm talking about the black women since I since I be around and I've been around them all my life, I notice it's this attitude that well, I can get pregnant and have as many babies as I want to, and I'm going to get this man to pay child support, but yet they, but yet they say they love their child, and they don't spend the, the quality amount of time with them, and their, their, their motherhood is really, is really poor. It's really poor. I'm, and I'm not speaking about all single black moms. I'm not saying all single black moms. I'm just saying a number of them, they, they play this game of materialism, 
where it's, it, it goes back to using their child for monetary gains and, chi- and child support money. That's, that's become ridiculous, and I don't know for some reason, I don't know why we keep having babies and babies, but yet we complain about how difficult our life is and how poorly economic we are, but we keep bringing life into our, into our lives and we're not really doing them any better because we're not doing any better. That I that I, I, I can't understand. So that's my share on that. Okay. All right, Rodney, take it. A lot on that one. <laughs> well, I... I... I learned from my mistakes last week, Tammy, at least temporarily, because you know I might mess up again. But I wrote down something that he said that I want that I want to touch on just for a second. And and and, and bear with me because I, I'm still going back to the thing I haven't even brought up yet that I keep mentioning. But that's good. That'll keep y'all uh, at the edge of your seat. I'm just kidding. But anyway, <laughs> he talked about uh, how society is so judgmental of men. Right, a man makes one mistake, you know, all of a sudden he is put on blast. Social media, TV, the news, the newspaper, uh, at the family reunions. I mean, men get the worst of it when it comes to judging as far as kids are concerned, right? Um, But then the women get a free pass no matter what they do. A woman... From, from my experiences, and not saying that this is, you know, uh, 100% of the time or, you know, it's all, always like this, so so please don't anyone say, well, that's not all women because I don't act like that. Okay, we're not talking about you. But what I have seen is women literally have to be strung out on drugs, they have to be prostitutes or something like that before anyone criticizes them. The, 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 you know, like, like I said on this show before, when I was in high school, I had friends, and high school started at 725. My school started at 725. I had friends who didn't show up until 10 or 11 o'clock because their mothers took them to the mall, had to wait for the mall to open, mind you, took them to the mall to get the new Jordan. No one criticizes women or not that many people. But had a dad, oh, this one time, I can't afford to, uh, I, can't, I can't be at your uh, event this one time, all of a sudden he catches it. All you see on Facebook or, or TV, whatever, Mother's Day, oh, man, it goes on for like weeks. And we're just praising mothers, praising mothers, praising mothers. And there are plenty of mothers who are worthy of the praise. But it's not as many as we give credit for. We give we give every woman credit. But then on Father's Day, four weeks later, you see to all the real men out there, to all the men taking care of their kids, but we don't say that to mothers. And you have mothers making just as bad decisions as the fathers. And I feel like this. To me, I don't know who's worse. I think it's bad, period, that here's a child that's not being cared for properly, but the man isn't there. So we understand why he is either limited or why he's not doing anything at all. He's not even there. But you are in the home with the child and not doing anything or not doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
you get off. And, and going back to what what, what Tammy said, um, something that I brought up on a different show. We're not judging anyone because, like my 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 last pastor said, judging is making a decision on a situation that has not yet been determined. You look at someone and assume just because uh, their hair looks a certain way or they, they, you know, have tattoos or something, and you look at them and you say, oop, automatically, mm, that ain't no good. Okay, that's judging because you don't know them. You're just looking at that with appearance. You don't know the story behind it. You're making a decision. But if I see you, if I see you going to the mall, paying $500 for an outfit and some shoes just to go to a concert. And I know I just saw your, your, your kids all last week with dirty clothes on and shoes that look like they're talking. Now, I'm not judging. You need to get your act together. Go ahead, Tammy. So, you know, goes back to scripture, and and, a, and a, I realize that a number of things people will, we are so quickly to say scripture, and, and some of this scripture is so mis, and for me too, I could say a good number of things that I have come, become more aware of through my reading, through my praying, through my studying, I'm thinking, wow, I have taken this scripture so far out of context because that's how I was taught. And in many cases, what I feel that has allowed is us to be so away, so far away from the truth, our truth about ourselves. We, it even allows us to be, to not be, I'm going to say. It allows us to, to give ourselves excuses for not wanting to change or not being able to change, to turn away from our own selfish desires. We, we, we have, if you've noticed, you guys, we have, you can about you can about bet what scriptures will be in any church. There's just some scriptures that you a pastor I have never heard preach on and probably never will. Like there's a set rule that here are some scriptures that we need in the universe. And now we're gonna make them think this way. Because often about the judging, what first thing I say, touch not my anointed. Well your anointed wouldn't be doing some of the things he or she is doing at this point in life. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just serious. At a certain point, there's some things that you will not, like I mentioned last week, are you in harmony with your desires? And as a leader, there's some things that you just cannot be in harmony with. And that is not judging. Now, if I go and say, Pastor, Pastor, is going to do this based on what he's previously did, I will be judging. But if he's already did it, and I know that to be true, and the truth, the word says the truth shall set you free, I need to set you free. And you need to set me free. Seriously, you need to set me free. (laughs) Don't let me stay in my funk. You need to set me free. And we're not doing that today. We're not doing it with our children. We're we're very, very relaxed in speaking truth to them. We don't want to hurt their feelings. We're so busy. I, a couple of Saturdays ago, I did a, a speech to young kids on character and self-esteem. 
I learned so much from that for me. And tonight I'll say from that, I feel like we're always appeasing to the self-esteem, making making these kids feel better, um, making these kids think that there's never any losing, that you everything is always big, better, and happy. That's okay, but life is going to happen. Like, they don't know, we can't say that you've lost. Everybody's got to win. No, this person may be better than you in this, and he or she won. Doesn't mean you're a loser, but you didn't win. But we're always just trying to appease to and make things, on, put things on this platter. And what we have is people who, again, who are worshiping, worshiping themselves. We're teaching our kids at a year, early age that if you don't have this, if you don't have that, our kids cannot function without these cell phones. They cannot mm. function. Why? But our grown people can't either. So what are we really teaching? What are we doing? The, the, the picture that I sent where the young baby, that baby could not have been more than a year old, not even a year old. But did you see that, Rodney, where he was trying to give uh, CPR, CPR to the mm-hmm. because that's what he or she, the baby, had seen? And he's not even a year old. I mean, he's pumping and he goes to the mouth because that's what he's seen. So what our children are doing is what they've been seeing, what we've taught them to do. A good friend of mine uh, sent me something on Facebook uh, earlier, Tammy, and I'm going to read it to you. And I want to see, uh, number one, I think it ties into what you just said, number two, just want to uh, get your thoughts on it. And it says, you know, um, she's working on a paper uh, for a class that she's taking, and here's the quote that she saw. And it says, far too many public schools in tough neighborhoods and poor communities fail to get beyond the challenges of discipline, truancy, turnover of both students and staff, the ever-present risk of dropout, students' lack of basic skills, and such fundamental human needs as feeding breakfast to kids who come to school with empty stomachs. It is no surprise that these challenges obstruct the development of a school culture of lofty academic goals and college aspirations. Nor is it surprising that even the best of teachers in such circumstances have scant energy left to cultivate the learning or the potential of exceptionally bright, earnest, and well-behaved pupils. This is simply not a good environment. Mm. And I think that ties into um, what you just said because my my response to her was, um, a big part of the problem is um, we feel sorry for kids. Mm-hmm. We and, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but we feel sorry for kids to the point where we make excuses for them and we make exceptions for them. How am I ever going to get above level one when all you show me is level one? You won't show me level two because you don't think that I can ever meet level two. So you don't you don't show it to me. So I have no motivation to get beyond level one because all you keep showing me is level one. If you want, and, 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 and I teach school, I've been teaching for six years, whatever you want out of children, you have to present it to them first. Number one, you've got to present it to them. Number two, after you present it to them, you have to let them know 
that what happened in the past, what people said in the past, what they did in the past, any of that, it no longer matters. And then you show them how they can get to level two if they want to or how they can get beyond level two if they want to. You show them that, and then you guide them every step of the way and eventually let their hand go. But we're not taking the time to do that at home. We're not taking the time to do that in the school. And, um, you know, we, 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 we brought up at the beginning of the show, where are these people? Where is everyone? How come no one is raising these kids? Well, the same way, you know, we had all those killings in Chicago this past weekend, right? Did you see, Tammy, where the uh, the 400-pound man in, in New York City uh, died because the police officer put him in the chokehold? Right, and he, had, from my understanding, he had just stopped a fight. He he had actually stopped a fight and kind of got caught up in that. Is that right? I didn't read the entire story, but I did see where he did pass. He died because of the chokehold. Right. So, so what happened to the police officer as a result of that? The NYPD took his badge and his gun. Uh, so far, that's what happened. Um, he's working behind a desk, um, still getting his, his full salary until the investigation is, is over with, right? Now, that is the part that everyone is focusing on, those two things. Number one, he killed this man, um, you know, after putting him in the chokehold. The officer, of course, white, the guy was black. I think the officer was white. I, uh, I'm pretty sure he was, but I could be wrong. But he wasn't black. But anyway, um, and two, um, the fact that this man is still on the police force, um, this man is still getting paid, et cetera, et cetera. But here's what, here's what I saw uh, on top of those things. One of our civil rights activists posted up in the picture with the with the widow, right? Because that's what we do. Now I guarantee you, guarantee you, there's gonna be there's gonna this gonna is gonna become a huge deal. Maybe not as big as George Zimmerman, but it's gonna become a huge deal. And then he was even quoted as saying, depending on the outcome of this situation, it will show whether or not we really have um, as far as we think that we have. The situation okay, right. in Chicago has already told me we, right. we haven't come that far. My, my, question, my question to that is, where are the civil rights leaders before this happens? Why aren't we in the neighborhoods? Why aren't they in the community centers? Often, I'm not talking about during Black History Month or when something happens. Where are we day to day? Where are we before something happens? Why do we have to be so, so reactive to things rather than proactive? Why does it have to happen for us to show concern? Why can't I give you the dollar before it gets bad? If, if if I'm just making it as an example, I'm not telling anybody to get anybody money because I'm, I'm funny about that. <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, it's so easy. They show up like I dream a genie, like they blink their head and boom, here I am. 
But then after that, you don't hear anything. Even after the case dies down out of the media, you don't hear anything. And if it doesn't Mm -hmm. make news, then they don't want anything to do with it. Goes back to what you were saying. Looking for your personal gain and fame. But if you have all this pull, if people will come out to see you and hear you just because society has deemed you it, then why don't you let it work for society and the better of us as a whole? And if you contact some of these people and say, would you please come here for this organization for these kids, in most cases you got to pay them thousands of dollars for them to do it. But now when it's on the news and it's already hit, oh, they'll come for free because they want their face on the TV. Yep. But I'm saying where are you before it hits the TV? Where are you before Johnny goes to jail, before Johnny kills somebody? Where are you to help Johnny get his thoughts together? And I want to hear about, okay, y'all, they do more than you think. Then tell us what you're doing. We want to know. Tell us. Give us some (laughs) ideas. There's enough of them as a group to take a city, not a state, but a city, and change it. But now I'm, I'm going to get on back into it still doesn't let any of us off the hook for our choices and our actions. And that's, that's what's really on my mind tonight. And so it, just because they don't show up until something happens, it doesn't mean you don't show up because that's your lifeline. You're your, mm-hmm. your life. So. <laughs> you, you, you know, I, I want to add something to this. A lot of us, if not all, a lot of us are acting upon fear, false evidence appearing real. We've been focusing on false evidence appearing real or fear in whatever factor and however it comes in on our daily lives. We've gotten beaten up so much and we have been programmed, brainwashed, and subdued in a lot of ways to where we do act like children, in a sense. And because we have a minor attitude or, or, or a minor spirit in the mind, because of our conditioning to this society, from this society, we pass it along to our children, and that's what they see, and they never grow up. So, it's, so it, the way I'm seeing it, and this is just my opinion, my take on it, is that I'm seeing a lot of adults and I'm seeing a lot of people in society, and I'm mainly speaking about the adults, a lot of us have not grown up. We have not decided to, we have not decided to really take charge of our lives. And we really have not looked into the mirror to ask ourselves, do we really care? Do we really care of what's going on with our children? Do we really care about the and and I and I'll go even and I I'll, I'll, I'll make it even close close to home. The choices that we make on a daily basis is it out of fear? Is it out of love? Are we really 
being honest with ourselves as to who we really are and why and why we're doing the things that we're doing because like what Tammy said earlier, too many of us we're we're, we're trying to make we're, we're trying not to hurt each other's self esteem self esteem I suppose and we're always trying to make positive comments and so forth. But when something is done that wasn't supposed to be done, we we want to try to sugarcoat it and and make be like, well, it's okay, it's okay. But but the point that I'm making is that we it starts with self. We have to be selfish on that by being by start by 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 asking ourselves certain questions about ourselves as to what are we really doing? Why are we doing the things that we're doing on a daily basis? It can be anything as to why we're not helping young people. I mean, why we're not helping ourselves as an individual. We we really have to do a self-examination process. And, and see, a number of people that go to church, and I've witnessed this, yeah, they'll, they love to quote scripture if they really understand what it really means and if they put it in a context, which I'm, most of them don't, and they're so quick to point out scripture, but they're not. It's it's like they're, it's a facade, basically. So a lot of people are walking around with with masks, and they're not being real about themselves. They're not trying to figure out. They're not asking themselves what they are, what they are doing, why they are doing it. They're not doing any critical thinking. They're not doing any critical thinking, and because they're not doing any critical thinking. Things are going, they're not having any more control over their life. So. I have a question for you and you as well, Rodney. He says that he brought up about many have been beaten up so badly by the world, by life and so forth, and they've not healed from that basically, and they're passing this along to our children. My question is, is that a choice? Because I asked that, and I'm, I go back to the book that I most recently read um, about Ben Carson's life, Think Big. And when I think about his mother, their mother, he and his brother's mother, having a third-grade education, knowing hardly anything, and she says, she tells you, I knew nothing. But what she did know is I don't want my children to become me. That's love. So she, she, they didn't understand what she was doing at, at at that time. But and they were saying in the book, you know, we thought basically in, in my terms that she had lost her mind. Like she's telling us we got to go to the library every day because she thought they were playing too much. Watch, they had too much time on their hands. If you got this much time, then let's find <laughs> you too. Because she said to herself, "You will not become me." If I can, and she said, I had nothing to do and nothing to give, but I knew how to pray. I knew how to tell God, I don't know, and I need your help. And every time she said, God either sent someone or gave her the answers. But it's like you said, Rodney, we've gotten so far away from God. We try to be God. Be Jesus, live the life, but not willing to do what it takes for that life. Not willing to give up our own selfish desires. Not really ready 
to renew our minds, not really ready to be not be our past, but all the time, like he said, denying the power thereof. Like Cody said, go to church every Sunday, bust the doors down. Go to church, not take the church to church. We ought to feel like by the time Sunday get here or whatever day you go to church, we ought to feel like cars with no gas going in to be refilled. So taking the cars to the gas station, we should be taking the church to the church to get refilled and prepare for the fight again. So when people come to you and say, hey, can can we do this? Can can I can I get you to help out on this? Can we? Do this? You have the energy. You have the power of God within. But we are looking for for that power in ourselves, and it doesn't exist. And as far as love, to me, in my opinion, people are looking to be validated and loved by someone else, but they've not quite learned how to love themselves. So if I don't mm. love me. Your love for me is on is only going to go so far because I still got to look in the mirror and see who I see and see what I see. And then I'm going to have to face up to, I don't love me. So if I don't, do you really love me? And the game starts and we play it and it starts and we play it. And, again, money doesn't fix it. Fame doesn't fix it because if it, if it did, then we'd have some happy so-called stars, the people we call stars. But our young girls, our mothers, our fathers are chasing that same life every day. That's why they go and pay $500, $600, for the purses and the shoes and the hair and the nails, all this stuff. There's no way in the world I'm going to go pay $50 for a Michael Kors shirt. I don't even know Michael Kors. <laughs> I wouldn't pay $50 for a shirt with Tammy Gator on it. <laughs> Why? I know my name. Michael Kors does not mean that much. But we would go and do that. And like you said, Rodney, the children don't have a good pair of shoes to wear to school. It don't have to be Jordan's. Their shoes are talking. I've seen it. The kids come, no coat, and the mama walk in because you didn't have to call them. They walk in decked out, hair and nails the same color. Don't went and got them done. See, that's what I want to talk about. It's time out to sugarcoat the stuff about all this fathers, men, women, we need to sit down and shut up because they can only do what we allow them to do. Amen. It's not, it takes two things for to have a baby. There are no more Jesus had, being had today. So some, <laughs> it took two people. So we could talk about what the men are doing or not doing, like I said last week, we meet these guys, they have four kids, five kids, two, I don't care if they got one, but if they're not taking care of that one, and when I mean taking care of, meaning spending time with, I'm not talking necessarily about money, because you guys, at the end of the day, a baby at a certain age, really all they need is love and food. You can, you can change that pamper, go get some diapers. I did it. was broker than a joke. I knew. I got to get some diapers up in here. I can't afford pam- pampers as much as this little man is going to the bathroom. So I had sense enough to switch out. But I certainly wasn't going to get my nails done because his needs were more important. But, see, we're even put ourselves before our children. 
That's what that's the kind of people we're dealing with today. That's the kind of mothers and fathers we are dealing with today. We're dealing with those who will send their kids to school hungry and get up and fix a man breakfast. Not their husband, a man who just dropped by for the night. <laughs> I've seen it. I hear the young girls saying it. And that's what we need. we need to address in these women, right? Because that's who the kids are mostly with, the women. So we need to start addressing their foul actions. But like you say, every Father's Day, we put Happy Father's Day to the real men. Well, where are the real women? Because if he wasn't a real man, then what were you when you laid down with him? On up to that. Mm. On up to that. Cause it, I mean, they're going to put, I mean, put you hey, off the radio. Nah, baby, this is all mine. <laughs> they gonna, they, they gonna, gonna get mad, loophole. but they can't. <laughs> they gonna find a loophole and put you off. <laughs> Not blog talk. The people might. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and I want to quickly add this too. It is the question is, is yes. All these things boil down to choices, whether we want to acknowledge that or not. It boils down to a choice. Whatever affects your choice doesn't matter, but, yes, these things, yes, it, it's all about choices. We have free will. And and I do wonder, the reason why people are like, why, I mean, I'm going back to what Tammy had said just, just a, a few minutes ago about, about, uh, about the church people, you know, them, and, and other people that may not even go to church, could be that, the reason why we keep doing the same things over and over again, could it be because we haven't met our, for lack of a better term, we haven't met our broken point yet to the point where something has happened, and it, didn't, it doesn't have to necessarily be tragic, but maybe we haven't had an experience yet where, you, where, where we begin to really change our mind, that we, we're choosing to change our mind to, to tell ourselves, you know, I am going to do a little different. I may not be able to do all of it right now, but I'm, going to, I'm just going to make the choice to do something different. Like for me, for an example, I decided to change the way I think. And the reason why I, cho- the reason why I made that choice was because I got sick and tired of being sick and tired of living my life a certain way and thinking a certain way. So I told myself, okay, I'm getting tired of the same old stuff. I've had, I've got to change the way I think. So I had to choose. I had to make a choice right there and then. And really, since I've made that choice, no, I don't have a, I don't have a house. I don't have all these, all this other stuff. I'll just use that term. But I have seen some changes in my life, some subtle changes and some playing out changes. Like, for an example, I told myself, like, a, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, and, and even during this time, I, I kept telling myself or, or just having the thought that, you know, and at the time I was riding my bicycle all over the, all over the county and the city and so forth, but I told myself, I don't know what's going to happen, but eventually I'm going to get me a vehicle. I don't know how, I don't know where, and I just had these thoughts come up, and they didn't come every day or anything, but I just had this generalization, this generalized thought of, 
you know, I, I want a vehicle. And and lo and behold, I'm driving a vehicle, and it was from one of my family members. Now, the, now the question is, I don't know if my family member is going to give me the van or not, but then again, he was like, and this is my father, he was like, you know, are you good? You good? I'm like, really? Oh, yeah, you good? So I'm driving. Let me jump in here. Okay, go ahead. I want because he's not giving himself justice. And then we're going to take our caller from 614. So just a second, I'm going to pull you in. When I met Cody, and I met Cody through an organization, uh, Memphis United, where the KKK was coming into Memphis and, and we were meeting trying to come up with an alternative solution to not give them any credit, to not put the spotlight on them, to, but to join together and do something positive to keep people from even address, as if they're not even coming. Just let, let them go down and march to themselves. But when I met Cody, what was what was so awesome about him, I found out that he had rode his bike to this meeting quite a ways. And I was later told by a number of people that he rides his bike everywhere. He didn't have a car, but he didn't feel sorry for himself, nor did he expect a handout from anyone. You would literally have to make him put the bike in your truck or your car and say, I'll drop you off. And he's like, it's okay, I, I'll, I'll ride my bike. And, y'all, in most cases it's cold, raining, but he did not allow himself to become a victim to that. Whereas in many cases he was just like, I'm not going. I, I can't go. I don't have a way. Or nobody will come and pick me up. Or I can't get anybody to help me. And what he did was he said, okay, I don't have a car now, but I have a bike. That is what people just need to stop making excuses for yourself. And believe me, I can say that because I used to be that person. I used to want to be the perfect person for everybody but was nothing to myself. The smallest example I give you, even in in, in your workplace, Notice how difficult it is for you to say, you know what, I missed that. I messed up. I got that email, but something, I, you know, now if I miss something, I'm like, I'm so sorry. This is my fault. I didn't forward this song. I did read it, but I didn't answer your question. I'm so sorry. But before, I would say I didn't get the email. No, and I did. What is that really doing? That's really lying. So now, <laughs> hey, listen, I, I, I might make a mistake sometimes, or I just might. Overlook it because I got something else on my brain or my mind. But it doesn't make me any different from who I am. It makes me better to say, I am so sorry. I missed this. I'll take care of it right now. It makes me feel so much better because now what you really think about me really does not matter because I know who I am. But if you know what they're thinking about you is true because now you know you lied and said you didn't get it. And you're probably thinking they think the same, think that same thing. So really, it's true. You are who you are. So I just wanted to say that real quick before we bring our caller in. Then we'll get you. Okay, from 614 area code with the last four digits of 0227. Carla, thank you, and you're on the air with us. Hi. Um, sorry if I'm having some problem. I'm actually on the at the same time. I'll talk to you. I apologize. But oh, you're um, fine. Point about um, you know you're breaking we, up just a little bit, caller. Okay. So, you, okay. But we, okay. That better. So say something else, and we'll tell you. And just let's see. Okay. Hello. 
Okay, now we have enough. I'm just going to stay frozen in this position, like mine. So, yeah, that'll work. Um, I wanted to touch on the point about um, what we feel and what we think about ourselves perpetuating to our children and teaching our children those same things. And um, also the other point that the other guy said, uh, I don't know what his name is, I apologize, about, um, you know, you have to change your mindset and then that is what defines you. Um, Yeah, she made a good point about Ben Carson and his mother and how she was determined to give them a better life by changing their own mindsets and not perpetuating that thought of fear. Because once your mind is held captive, your generations are held captive. You guys get what I'm saying? Like, your generations are held captive from the mindset. You can see colorism and all these other types of things that are perpetuated through hundreds of years from a mindset, from an area of fear and control. Mm-hmm. You're made to feel less than because somebody told you that you were less than. So let me ask you this. didn't have to tell you might have been body language and things like that. What are you saying? So are you saying that maybe it's that some people have been told that all their lives um, and that's their mindset and so they pass that on? And I, I want to make sure I understand, is that, is that what you're saying, that that's just their mindset because no one has really told them anything different? Right, or that they can be or that they could be or anything like that. And one thing about learning is that if you hear something enough times, you start to believe it. If that's all that you're hearing is that you're not good enough and you're too dumb and things like that that are all negative speak, then that's what you're going to believe. And so that's what's been taught to the generations thereafter, not that they can and they can do. I have experienced it myself and once I told myself that there's nothing that's impossible to me regardless of who says, even if it's the very same people that told me that I can suddenly say that I can't, that I actually can, and I'm smart enough to do that, that's when everything changed for me. My whole to the mindset changed. Those very same people, the people who you're supposed to look up to, your own parents, may even tell you, as I have experienced before, that you can't or you may think that you're smart, and I could come back and rebuttal and say, no, I am smart. Mm-hmm. Now, Paula, are you, you have parent? Are you a parent now? Are you a parent now? Are you a parent? I am not a parent. I am okay. not a parent. I was, um, okay. I was asked, at all. are you doing I was going to ask, are you, how are you doing it differently? If so, if you were, I was going to ask, what are some of the things that you're di- doing differently to instill that, um, you know, that confidence and that willpower? I was just going to ask, what are those things? What are you doing differently? Well, since I'm you're not, not a parent, what would you do? Oh, yes. Um, I do have a thought process of what I will do when I have children. Um, but I do have nieces. I do have nephews. I do have younger cousins. And I always tell them that they can do. I always have a consistent, a consistent um, message to them at regards to what they're going through. Even my peers, you know, I don't want to work on this literature of you and things like that for my master's degree. I'm like, well, this is something that you pray for and you can do this. It may be difficult, it might be arduous, but you're more than capable of doing this. So if I'm just that voice of you can and sometimes it, you just need to hear that you can to get through the next thing, like, okay, I can buckle down, I can do this. If I'm that consistent voice and I'm consistent with that, I know that I'll be consistent with my children. I have full confidence mm-hmm. I'll be cons- consistent with my children when I do have children because I want them to know that they can. So then when they, you know, if they decide they want to move to another region, 
for example, um, some people who've never lived anywhere else are quick to discourage people who want to move somewhere else, you know, quick to discourage people who want to advance themselves, advance their careers, and, and launch forth into something that hasn't been done before, maybe within their immediate family or their circle of friends or something like that. They're quick to tell them that they can't do it or you're not going anywhere. But do you have such a confidence within yourself, such a love that you have found within yourself that you believe in God within God um, and believe in his love and his love for you so much that you can say, wait a minute, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So if that's the case, how dare I say anything negative about myself and what I'm capable of doing? That is a personal choice. Right. That is right. a personal choice. And when you get about all those things, it changes your mindset and you find yourself reaping off of the joy that is your strength. You know what I'm saying? You just you, you tap into God and not like he's an ATM, but you understand how he sees you. If you just pray, God, change my eyes so I can see the way that you see me. Change my mind mm-hmm. so I can think and see myself that way and really, really embrace that, it changes everything else. And it changes that. It breaks that curse off of the generations of I can't. It creates an I can. You know that you you struck a nerve. This is Tammy, and I can remember at a very early age, I've shared this on the show, that my grandmother, um, gosh, I just remember as I get older, I just remember so many things that she said to me you know, for the little time I had her. But I remember so clearly her telling me when I said the word can't. And being so small and so loving and respectful of my grandmother, I just really thought that can't did not exist. But she said can't does not exist, especially in this house, basically. But she can't was not allowed. I couldn't say I can't. And... um so I don't know. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and I hear a lot of people say um, that sometimes people have had someone in their life that has encouraged them in some way out of the you know out of all that negative talk that has been instilled in, in them somewhere some somewhere along the way that someone said something to them that gave them a little fire. I'd like to think that in many cases there's been someone for everyone. It's just what are you willing to go through to ignite that, to get that, uh, to bring that forefront. I feel that so often we are we feel so bad about ourselves and our own lives and our choices until we feel inferior no matter what anyone says. And you have to be willing to go through the fire. In order to to get through this transformation thing, you guys, you have to be willing to deal with yourself. You have to be willing to say, I'm not as great as I think I am pretending to be. It doesn't mean you're bad, but we're so it feels like we're trying to prove ourselves consistently and constantly to others. So, again, that we're validated and loved. But we can't do that if you, you can't receive that if you don't first acknowledge, determine who you are, and love who you are through the process. As you continue to change, love who you are and just do and be you. But 
don't accept those things that does not work for your life and that keep you sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I think we lost our caller, but caller, if you're still listening, thank you. She was kind of going in and out, so maybe her cell phone dropped, but I think we lost our caller. And I know, Rodney, you have a lot of things in the chat room as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll definitely go ahead and jump to those. Um, but it says, society teaches people to be selfish. People accept what the world feeds them, and this is the reason we are in the predicament we are in. The message yesterday by Pastor John Jenkins was on overcoming selfishness. The timing couldn't have been better. The majority of our societal problems stem from selfishness. Selfishness is dangerous. And that came from uh that came from the from the from the chat room and then and then my response was just uh selfishness will leave you by the first four letters of the word. So people who are selfish eventually end up by themselves. Because eventually people get sick of your mess and they leave you alone. It may not be until you're 60 or 70, but eventually it catches up to you. Um, and so you have to be very careful with that. Uh, but that is coming from the chat room. Okay. I like that. I'm copying and putting that on Facebook, the, your reply. <laughs> as, a, as a good friend of mine always says, you keep doing what you're doing, and you're going to find yourself by yourself. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to go back to uh, something that um, uh, our caller just said. Um, it made me think about two things. The first thing is um, last year, um, the last day of school, uh, we're sitting around and just, you know, uh, reflecting on the school year, saying our goodbyes. Um, and our team taught with a couple of other teachers, and so there were two classes. I'm involved, about 50 kids. And so one of the kids raises his hand and he says, you know, when they find out I'm, I'm going to New York, and so the kid raises his hand and he says, uh, Mr. Jordan, uh, if I graduate, will you come back to the grad and go to the graduation? And I wasn't even thinking about it. I just said yes because all I heard was, you know, you come to my graduation. I said yes. Well, the lady I caught with, she said, wait a minute, what is this if I graduate? What do you mean if I graduate? No, you're going to graduate in six years you'll be out of school. So, yes, Mr. Jordan will be at your graduation. But that just goes to show you where this is self-esteem was, where it's confidence But if I graduate. You know, and the second thing that it made me think of uh, when you and our caller were just talking um, back and forth, um, when I was in undergrad, um, I had a professor, and he said, um, and he used to always hit us with these things just out of the blue that you were just not expecting. And he, he, he came with such a, a different perspective and came from a different angle. Um, you got lost every time. But what he said one day, he was asking us to um, evaluate ourselves. And he was saying, like, on a scale 1 to 10, um, you know, what are you? And so this girl raises her hand, and she said, oh, I'm a seven, and he said, stop right there. He said, why would I hire you coming to my job talking about you a seven or an eight? If the scale is one to ten, you're a ten. He said, people are going to bring you down enough. Don't help them. You are a ten until somebody can prove to you that you are not a ten. You don't have to be arrogant about it. You don't have to be cocky about it. 
But at the same time, why is it that we go around belittling ourselves? But that's what we're used to. Because if you if you say something good about yourself in society, then people have a, nothing but negative things to say. But if you talk bad about yourself, or if you walk around feeling sorry for yourself, you can get you can get a uh, uh, you can get a bandwagon of folks. Oh yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, I'm miserable every Monday. So so I got a whole group of people who are on my side. And guess what? We're going to just talk about how bad Monday is. Although God said that everything he created was good. So last thing I, last thing I know is, uh, did God create the days too? So how is there a certain day as a bad day? How is that? But we don't look at that. The glass is always half empty. We're about to run out instead of get filled back up. But that just goes to show the poison that has infected our bodies and has just slowly, it's just slowly killing us. It's slowly killing our children, slowly killing our nation. It's, it's just, it's bad. And it's getting worse. You know, Ronnie, why is it that, um, you know, we're so quick to get advice or to want to be like someone who really does not have it together themselves. And we we have to be really careful about who we accept advice from, who who we go to for advice. Um, and I'm not saying to say that at some point in time we can all learn from someone. But if I'm trying to get it together, that I need to either make sure I surround myself with people who are trying to do that same thing or those who have somehow accomplished it. And it reminds me, and I keep thinking, keep trying to remind myself to look this lady up who said she went to the same conference 42 times because of what she wanted and knew she needed to succeed. She established what her gift was, what her passion was, and was just broke, broke. And she said, I told my son that mommy will never allow us to get here again. And she made a decision to change her life, change her thinking, to start being around people who had already did or doing the things that she wanted to do. And we have to be okay with that. Sometimes we got to go so that we can come back and help. And that's, we're so afraid and so focused on what we don't have, what we should have, what we want rather than what we need, how it looks than, rather than how it is. We, ha- we focus on everything or the things that benefit us in no way. Because if I – go ahead, you have something, Ronnie? No, 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 go ahead. If I, if, if I have – if, if all my needs are met today, and I'm thankful for that, and I continue to be tomorrow, while I'm working towards always knowing who I am and, and trying to do better, correcting those things that, again, benefit me not, but in, instead we try to become someone based on who we think someone else is. And they're playing the same game. They're just, they're just kind of not living life and just existing. 
So it's like we will we tend to draw towards those people. I think we do that if we're really not ready to embrace that transformation process. But if you're really ready, those people will get on your nerves so bad and, and make you feel like you are dying when you're around them because your your drive is something else. Your wants are different from the things you used to put focus on before. So I say be be careful, be mindful. If you want change, then try to be around people who who want the same thing, who are willing to give up some of their own selfish desires, some of their own wickedness. Because the word tells us that we are we we are some different kind of people. We are something else. So while we're thinking we're so great in us, we forget that we're made perfect through Christ. But through Christ, that means that we got to be working to get to him, to get to be like him, doing those things. And we want to skip that part. We just want to go to church and become perfect without any change. <laughs> we want to be the same and, and just be perfect. Because I'm going to church, I'm perfect. No matter what I'm doing outside, no matter how I'm treating my kids, no matter how I'm treating my husband, how I'm treating my wife, no matter how I'm living my life, it's Okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here, uh, Sammy, and, and I think that, <laughs> I think that because we don't have an identity, because we don't know who we are, it is easy for us to try to be somebody else. It is easy for us to try to follow in someone else's footsteps that we may not even be uh, on the same page with, may not even be someone we should follow after. Um, But even in the Bible, Jesus said, greater works will you do. So Jesus said, greater works will you do. And I don't want anybody to take that out of context because that's what got the devil in trouble, thinking he was greater than God. But Jesus said, greater works will you do. And I think God gives us something. And for some people, they get more. But God gives us something. He puts something inside of us, at least one thing, that will make an impact in your life and in someone else's life. I think he gives us that. When, when, when the talents were given out, one talent, five talents, ten talents. Everyone was given something. So you get at least one. You need to be anyone else. You don't have to be anyone else. And what came to mind when you were just talking, Sammy, was there are a number of people going to church every Sunday and not being fed, but yet they stay there. There are I've gone into churches, Sammy, and I swear I thought I was at a funeral. I thought I was at a funeral. And the only reason why I knew it wasn't a funeral was because not everybody had on black. They had on orange, they had on green, they had on purple. But if everybody had on black, I would have, I would have said, okay, where's casket? Who that? Because that's how dead it was in the church. People are not being fed yet. They, they hang on because they have not given themselves an opportunity to see if there's anything else out there. They have not stopped to say, wait a minute. 
I'm seeing a whole lot of things. I'm not just seeing mistakes, but I'm seeing a whole lot of things that contradict the same Bible that I read, the same Bible that uh, I'm supposedly being fed from every week. They don't question that. And when you when you don't seek education, you become ignorant or you stay ignorant. And we are so afraid of the truth, we would just rather be ignorant. Ronnie, do you feel that many people use some of those same scriptures as excuses to continue to do what they want to do and live the life that they want to live? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I can tell you just by my interactions um, with people, whether they go to church or don't go to church, um, there are people who use the scriptures to feed their egos. There are people who use the, script, use the scriptures to justify what they're doing when I think God has more respect for an individual who will just flat out say, I'm wrong, who will just flat out say, I should not be holding this position in the church. I should not be preaching from the pulpit every Sunday. I should not be an usher. I should not be singing in the choir. I think God has far more respect for those people than than he does those people who know that they are not living according to the Bible that they preach from, yet they they choose to make everyone else believe that they are these holy people. I can tell you I've had better relationships for the most part, not with everybody, but I've had better relationships many times with, with people who don't go to church than people who do. I have some of my some of my better friends in my lifetime who I could count on to be honest with me, who I could count on if I really needed them, if I really needed anything. Didn't always have to have to be uh, about money. It could be anything, and those people were there and are still there. But I can tell you, there are people who they can quote every scripture, the ones that they want to, uh, of course. <laughs> But you 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 can't rely on them for anything with any substance. Can't rely on them. I'm sorry, but I, I, I cannot sit in a church where the pastor is living great and ninety five percent of the members are living in poverty. But the pastor has a private jet, is living in a mansion, the pastor has not one car, but he has about five or six of them. The pastor walks into church, and his attire is worth about $5,000. Between his jewelry, his suits, his shoes, but yet you have members struggling? I don't judge, but I can't get down with that. I can't get down with that. And I'm not saying that the pastor has to give away all the pastor's money, but stop taking the people's money when you know they don't have it to give it in the first place. That's number one. 
And number two, teach your people how to prosper if that's what, you know, if that's what, if that's what you're doing, then teach the people underneath you how to prosper. And I'm not talking about a feel-good Sunday morning service. That's not teaching somebody how to be prosperous. Because what you're teaching them to do, believe in God, have faith, and all of these other things, that's not how you got your riches. You didn't get your riches, your, your riches by believing in God. You didn't get your riches by having faith. You didn't get your riches by being on welfare and just saying your prayers every night. That ain't how you, if, that, if it were that easy to be, become rich, you know how many people would be rich? If that's all you had to do was pray, but they leave out the part faith without works is dead. You've got to get up and do something. They don't tell you that. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those are not the things being taught in the church. And, and while we're on these people, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to go to a scripture. Um, and I don't know how long we're going to be on this one. This one, this one might, uh, this one might make you run out of the house, Tammy. But just stay with us. We got about thirty minutes. They have the show without the host. But in, in, in First Timothy, uh, the third chapter, it, it talks about the qualification for a bishop, and then it starts talking about a deacon. But I'm going to point out something uh, because of where I'm going with this. And anyone, again, is First Timothy, uh, chapter 3, feel free to read it. But I'm going to uh, drop down to verse 4, and it says that this man must rule it well in his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. It says, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? That's First Timothy, First Timothy, the third chapter, fourth and fifth verse. The reason why I brought that up, Tim. Because we've been talking about role models and, you know, what the parents are doing, what these preachers are doing, and all of that. You know how many times I've heard, I don't know about you, Tammy, but you know how many times I've heard preachers say, the pastor's kids are the worst kids out here. The pastor's kids are the worst kids in the church. And according to First Timothy, First Timothy 3, why are you the pastor? If the preacher's kids are the worst kids, why are they preaching? If your children, if you can't manage your own household, how is it that you are running God's house? Your children are here doing any and everything they want to do. You're talking to your congregation about paying tithes and giving 10% of their income, but your children are not doing it. You're talking about sex, all of these scriptures pertaining to sex. And while I'm on that one, it, it, it's, it's very easy to talk to tell me not to have sex when you can have sex anytime you want to because you're married. But understand what the members are, so I'm not saying that the message should change because the message is what it is. But be honest and don't don't judge people 
or try to make people feel bad when you weren't always a virgin either and you didn't wait till your wedding night to, to lose your virginity. But we, we see these things and we hear these things. And then it says that the person shouldn't even be a new church member. If somebody's going to hold an office in the church, he shouldn't even be a new church member. If they're going to be a bishop or a pastor and all that, but all you need is enough money. I've seen I've seen people on TV in a rap video, and next week they the minister of such and such's church. And I'm like, right, what? I was just going to say, Rodney, because of the status, <laughs> you can come in with a certain status, a worldly status, and even the church sometimes will allow you to be over. I've seen it happen that they don't mm-hmm. really even know your character. They don't know who you are. They don't know much about you. And that takes you to discern, discernment. There should be some kind of discernment happening within us when that light has began to shine in us. And if we are holding these positions in these churches, mm-hmm. we should be, we to much is given, much is expected. We should be held accountable. If we are putting ourselves in those teaching positions, it's like you said, that we ought to just say, hey, I'm not ready for this. I need to sit down. Even when we get to a point, we need to sit down for a minute. But I've also known people, I had, reminds me of this guy who went through a challenging time in his life, and he said, Tammy, I went to seek help because I messed up. He said, I messed up, and I went asking for help on this. And instead of them trying to help me, they they basically talked really bad. They talked down to me rather than mm-hmm. trying to help me, praying for me, um, and so forth. And I think when someone comes to you seeking help, when they know that they have made a mistake in life or they, 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 they are convicted by their doings, I don't feel we should send them away. I, I think that they should be pulled in, prayed for assign someone who is living that life to the extreme and go from there. But it, And that's what I mean. We got to get in order in the church. We got to be about God's business and not the business of this world. Mm-hmm. And that's I feel that so much is happening, not in just life, but even in the church, because that's where it's stemming from. That's where it's coming from, because we are watering down these scriptures. We're watering down Sunday life. We're saying that whatever you do is okay. Well, no, it's not okay. No, I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm certainly not. But as I continue to see God, I could should continue to change. I should not be in harmony with my desires. That's going to become my, my, my new phrase for a while. My, I, I should not be in harmony with my desires, especially when my desires are of this world. Because mm-hmm. I can't be both. I can't be both. I can't serve God. I can't serve light and darkness. I got to pick one and choose that road. And if we keep that desire front and center, I can't stay, I can't remain a bad parent. I can't remain, I can't con- continuously put men before my children. I can't continue to put women before my children. I can't continue to put the club before my children. I can't do that. I can't stay like I am. 
So we got to pick one, people. And don't don't play the pity party. Like I said about Cody, Cody could have said, "Well, I don't have a car. I don't have a car. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't go here." So he's like, "I'm gonna get me a bike. I'm gonna get what I can afford." How many men would do that? And this is a young man. How many grown men would do that? You have men that won't go to work because they say they don't have a car. <laughs> what I'm saying is, be responsible for yourself. That's what I mean. We can't. There's some things we can't blame on slavery. We can't blame on the white man. The white man is not in your house. And I'm not saying we weren't affected by slavery, but some of the ones who picked the cotton in the field all day, who were beaten, who watched the beatings, their mindset they overcame in their way. So why can't we? Why can't we make a choice that this might have been that time, that life, but I can make a decision. We got to be willing to die for something. And we're not. We're not. We want to continue to be who we want to be and seek that fame, seek to be a star in this world. Where really, the more I grow, the more discomfort I feel in this world. The more I feel like I am not at home. I feel restless at times, so restless. Sometimes I think, Lord, thank you for, for, for giving me some kind of purpose on this earth because otherwise I don't even know if I want to be day to day. And, you know, so Sam, it's, it's one thing that, you know, granted, we don't know um, who's going where after this life. We have no idea. But wouldn't it be a shame to not have such a great afterlife <laughs> and then you didn't even get to enjoy this one either? It's a beautiful thing for the few people who get to enjoy this life and the next life, and it doesn't require anything but you living a happy life. And if you're trying to be somebody you're not, you're not happy. If you're if you're wearing the same thing that everyone else is wearing, you're not happy. If you if you're if you're going to uh, the club every weekend, um, every Friday and Saturday night, and your reason for going is everybody else is going, or you want to show off your outfit, or the parts of your body your outfit should be covering. You're not happy. You're not happy. Because people who are happy are people who have nothing to prove. They don't have anything to prove. They don't have anything to show you. If 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 they say, uh, I, I am a king of some country, and you don't believe them, they don't have anything to prove to you. You know? But as long as you feel like there is something to prove, that means it is yet to be proven. So while you're talking about how you're an individual and how no one can play you, guess what? Every time you walk in the store and you spend $100 on a pair of shoes, $2 to make, the people who made the shoes got paid $0.17 cents an hour. The shoe only costs $2. 
and they turned around and sold it to you for $100, guess what? You just got played. Because if you were able to be a part of that entire process and at the end someone said, here, give me $100 for these, you would not pay $100 for those shoes just because you saw the whole process. But we perish because of our lack of knowledge. And it's not because it's not available to us. We just would rather be ignorant. We would rather be ignorant. We would rather not know the truth. And one thing I learned, Tammy, um, back in 2007, um, once I began to try to figure out who God was for myself and to learn who God was for myself, and God showed me, and the scriptures looked different to me. The scriptures didn't carry the same meaning. And I started to see people in the church, regardless of what their title or position was, I I started to see people in a new light. And I had to say, you know what? Um, I even went to the pastor. I said, listen, I can no longer do this. And I had to leave. And there were no hard feelings. I didn't hold anything against him or anyone else. But I started to learn who God was for myself, and it did not line up with what I had believed all of those years. And I was 24 at the time, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And I think that's what people are afraid of, because even if you don't do what I did and just completely walk away, and, again, don't get, don't get me wrong, because me and God, like, our relationship is so much better now um, ever since that day. But it's hard to see, hear the truth, or know the truth, and stay in the same spot. And I think that's what people are afraid of, Tammy. I think I think people feel like, if I know better, to do better. And so because I don't want to do better, then I'm going to shut off myself from what's going to cause me to have a better life. Well said. We got Cody want to get something in. He's been itching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, um, Cody. Oh, no, you good. You good. No, I was listening. I was listening. I, um, I, I wanted to say earlier, and I can say it now, about sacrifice. I'm now overstanding more as I get older, if you want to accomplish something, if you if there's something that you really want and you already have what you need, oh, oh, that's right, yeah, since I touched on that, I notice a lot of us get caught up with the deceptiveness of the language that we speak, and we get caught up in uh, semantics, of course, but especially this one phrase that I know all of us are so used to hearing, when we say, well, either we say it or someone tells it to us or we hear someone else say it to someone else, the phrase is, well, you don't have the confidence for this or that. Um, you're not confident in taking care of this job. You don't have the confidence. And it keeps saying you don't have the confidence, you don't have the confidence. I disagree with that statement and with that phrase. What I say now is 
We all have confidence. It's just a choice away. I remember that movie last year with Will Smith and his son called After Earth, and it was about really what I got the gist of the movie, and it was about, they said the quote, is they said, fear is a choice. And and once I heard that, and I think there's some there's there's other there's another part of that, but I, the main part I got out of that movie was fear is a choice. We can either choose to look at that false evidence appearing real, which is fear, and focus on that, and we become dormant and and not doing anything, or we can face the fear and focus on what we need to do and what we want to do. And that's what I'm that's how I'm overcoming my fear of certain things is just and, and actually me bicycling all across the city helped me to to develop that. It's just even in even when you're fearful, when you when you when you're scared, just do it. And just by making the choice of just doing it, you you you've overcome. You've overcome your fear. Whatever that fear may be in in each individual's lives, you just have to do it. Because if you don't make the choice right at that moment, fear is going to make you dormant. You're not going to do anything, and and there's consequences of that. But after the, 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 the confidence, what I was wanting to say is the sacrifice. And I'm learning that we have to sacrifice people. A lot of a lot of us, we don't want to give up certain things that we're so used to doing in order to better ourselves. And I'm learning that if you want to go somewhere with whatever your dream is or or, or whatever that dream may be, it, it doesn't have to be anything materialistically or whatever, it's self-improvement. We have got to make a sacrifice. We may have to cut out some things momentarily, momentarily. And that's not a terrible thing if we really want what we want to get. And that's what I was wanting to add on to what you were saying. Um, I'm actually responding to you, Rodney, about Mighty Quiet tonight. And so timely, my my response on Facebook was, was because people are not ready to make the sacrifice. So if I don't listen <laughs> to this, I don't hear this, if I don't gain this knowledge, and I won't even say gain this knowledge, if I don't have this knowledge confirmed, then... I don't. Ha- I'm not responsible for making a change. So we avoid sometimes even the knowledge that we have within us. Going back to the fear, I love this quote, and I'll just say one phrase of this quote. It's not fear of love. It's fear of being hurt. So we have to start to dissect some things. It's because if everybody would really be honest, they won't love. They want someone to genuinely and unconditionally love them and they wish they were capable and able to do the same in their own life, like without hiding anything, genuinely be loved and genuinely give that same love unconditionally. We were built for love. But we've turned that love, another quote, where it says we've learned, we're learning to love things rather than each other and ourselves and people. What we have determines who we are whether it be a man, a degree, a house, a car, that Michael Kors shirt, that coach bag, when we have those things, somehow we manifest inside of us or we tell ourselves that 
we are successful. We'll make, we have made it. No matter how we feel inside, no matter what's really going on, we tell that lie to ourselves over and over and over again. And we try to get people to believe that lie. And what people do, they go along with the lie. Knowing, in most cases, many people know, because if you, if you just listen to someone, if you allow someone to talk, they tell you everything. Even mm-hmm. the things they're trying to keep from you and avoid. The mouth has a tendency to bring out, up and out what's in. You might can fake it for a minute, but if you let that conversation go on long enough or if you have it consistently enough, you will find out everything you need to know about a person. Everything. So it's not just as an example. We all have some fear about something, probably in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But let's go to love, the one thing that we are also wanting. It's not the fear of love. It's just the fear of what love does to you, what you have to give up. Because when you love somebody, you got to give up some things. you got to change some things. It can't always be about you. So you think about that and apply it to life. Not love that you that you fear and don't want. It's being what love does to you. The hurt of that, the possibility of being hurt by that. So what do we do? Instead of saying I, I'm going to be in love, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, we just become somebody else to avoid having to deal with that. That sacrifice, that change, and choosing to and choosing, and choosing choice. To, to trust in yourself and choosing to be confident because we all have confidence. It's just that we've been taught that. Oh, you don't have it. No, you do have it. You just have to choose to be that. Not willing. Yeah. Anything, yeah. Rodney? <laughs> I think you. Uh, I, I think you hit it. I mean, we. I, I think that both of you have been saying this all night, and, and um, a part of it is uh, just a. It, it, it's a choice. Um, it's about what. What what you want to do, and yeah. if if you want a better life, you can have one. Um, but if you don't want a better life, you know, you, you're going to you're going to demonstrate that. And fear definitely keeps us from doing a, a lot of things. Um, and, and you know, one of my favorite poems is uh, the one by Marianne Williamson. You know, our deepest fear. It's not that we are, in, are inadequate, but that we are powerful beyond measure. And I really do believe that. I think that we are so afraid that we could change the world if we wanted to. I think that people are really afraid of that. I think we are afraid that if I write a book, somebody might actually read it. If I mm-hmm. fill out a job application for a job that no one thinks that I would ever get, I'm afraid I might actually get it. I'm afraid to date this woman because I might fall in love with her. I'm afraid of that. There are so many things that we are afraid of, and it's not because, not only because of the fear of fairy, but just the fear of man. I don't know where this is going. I don't know where this could take me. So we're afraid. And we run. 
we go back to what it is that we're used to, no matter how bad it is, because at least we know what to expect. We know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen with that abusive man. So guess what? Boop. 20 years later, still there. Just because you know every day you walk in the house and you say something, you might get held upside the head. But you know what to expect. I don't know what to expect from this man over here. This man might actually let me be myself. And and sometimes they fear, and I might not know what to do with that kind of man. I might not know how to reciprocate. I might, know, might not know how to give that kind of love back. And that's why it's so important for you to escape. Get to know who you are before you try to do life with someone else. It's hard enough to do life with me some days. There's some days <laughs> I think, Tammy, really? So now if I got all this going on inside of me, and now I got this whole other life and world and person that's going to be around me 24-7 for the most part, I know that this is his destination every night. You know, that's crazy. That is simply crazy. We got to learn to do us. And you, in order to do you, you got to know who you are. And stop trying to bring people in your life to make you somebody when you don't even know who you are or to validate you in some way. Y'all, that's the worst thing, and that will get you caught up with people that you don't. You wake up, I'm telling you, you'll say, who the hell are you and how did you get here? When did you come? Because now you know you're walking into your yourself. You're understanding who you are. You know what you want, what you don't want what you'll do and what you won't do. So we make these decisions to do life with people, to have babies with people that we know nothing about because we don't know ourselves. We don't know who we are. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses for what happened to you, what happened to your mom, what happened to your dad. Stop these excuses. Listening in the chat line, you might want to call in 818-691-7406, 818-691-7406. And we're going to end it pretty soon here. But that's how I want to end, Rodney, is just tell people you are not, especially if you're a parent, you don't, excuses, is, I'm sorry, it's dead. I'm telling you, like my girl told me, can't does not live here. Excuse for what? If Cody rode the bike 30 miles, come on. Do what you have to do. There's no time for excuses. Look where excuses and not being truthful has gotten us. Nowhere. The pastors are not giving it to you. They're not even giving it to you on the job. We allow people to remain in positions that they that they are not holding up to because to appease to people. We got all these rules and regulations that allow people to stay on and get a check when they're not doing anything. We just become a people of lies, which is causing dysfunction. Well, if Frederick Douglass can come out of what he came out of, I have no sympathy for you. I don't even have sympathy for myself. I used to be queen of excuses. Well, I can't do this because of this. Well, somebody should have did this. Well, somebody is not responsible for my life. I am. I'm responsible for my every day, regardless of what happens to my day, in my day. I'm responsible for it. And that's 
how to get to. So I'll turn it over to you, Rodney. And tell them about next week's show, if you don't mind. <laughs> uh Next week, we have a very, very, very exciting show for you, um, as we do each and every Monday. But next week, we're going to uh, kind of go back to something that, that uh, came up in a previous show about uh, people having more uh, religion than Jesus or being more righteous than Jesus. Uh, you know, it's something that comes up often about being holier than thou. So we're going to bring some attention to some of those things and. We do hope that you will come back and join us next Monday and hope you will have something to to add to the uh to the show. This is not a um bashing of people or ooh, I want to call someone out because, you know, the same dick same dish you dig for somebody else, you might end up falling in it. So it's not gonna be one of those type shows, but we are going to bring attention to uh a topic that is uh so much needed today. Um and that is uh, just people being holier than thou. So please come back with your questions, your comments, um, a listening ear. Thank you for those of you who have tuned in uh, with us tonight. Um, again, if you are in the Washington, D.C. area tomorrow, I will be at the Martin Luther King Library uh, from uh, 6.30 until 8 doing a author talk. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I'll definitely let you all know how it went um, on next Monday's show. Uh, there will be a video. Uh, so please uh, be on the lookout for that, and you can find you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Um, we're out there. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, I don't have anything else. Um, any, any last words, Cody? Great show. People were quiet, as you said, Rodney. But um, that's okay. That's okay. I think. Uh, this is one of those topics, or not topics, but the things that we've talked about. It makes one have to acknowledge where they are in life and determine yeah. or decide if they want to deal with it or not. And in most cases, they're going to be people are going to be quiet um, in, thing, in in conversations like this um, because we are so accustomed to where we are, what we know rather than where we want to go and what we want to learn in that process. So hope yeah. you join us and next I, And week. I will say, uh, I will say um, you know, want, um, something that, you know, uh, when I posted that on Facebook, Mighty Quiet Tonight, uh, something that was posted uh, from one of our uh, faithful listeners, um, and they said there's a thing that when people are quiet, they're listening, they're learning, they're receiving. And um, and so we know that this person is listening, um, but I do want to thank them for, for pointing that out because I think that that is true uh, for so many of us. And the only way we can grow sometimes, the only way we can uh, learn is by listening. Because if someone's talking and you're talking, you're not, <laughs> you're not hearing anything. So thank you, right. thank you, thank you so much, uh, listener, for uh, for sharing that. Much appreciated. Right. Okay. Well, that being said, you guys know what time it is. It's time for for a change going to come, and how appropriate. Uh, if you were listening tonight and took it all in, if even if it's one thing that you can incorporate in your life 
in order to make a change. Just start somewhere. It's like Cody said earlier, you know, just start. Just start. And start with you because it, it does. It begins with you. It begins and ends with the change that you make within you are willing to sacrifice for. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, make the sacrifice. Otherwise, you'll end up or remain where you started or just where you are. So that being said, we'll see you next Monday for Holier Than Thou. That's what we'll be discussing. And thank you all, as Rodney said, for listening. If you're in D.C. or anywhere in the surrounding areas, if you can, go out and support Rodney tomorrow and be sure to pick up one or both of his books. We thank you all for listening, and and as we end, Diane, this is for you. Thank you again for your support. Much love to everyone.
dreams and expectations Full of desire I just want it so bad You know And it just seems so real It's right there Just wanna reach out and touch it For what all disappears Sometimes It feels like Like everything Is passing me by Every now and then It's feeling like My ship has gone and sailed away But I I gotta be strong Gotta hold on It won't be too long Now the tide is coming in I see the waves flowing Out there on the ocean I know my ship is coming in Just past the horizon And right where the sky is Out there on the ocean Oh, my ship is coming in So don't leave me hanging I've been waiting too long For this moment My ship has finally come I will travel to the seven seas I will even go wherever the wind blows me I'll do anything to fall my destiny It's like fighting with ground 